message this morning. Um, I had really no idea of, I think, the way that God has moved this morning. And I really feel like there are specific things that God is doing, um, and, and I would encourage you not to miss it, not to miss whatever might be tugging on your heart this morning. Um, I really believe there's, there's power here this morning that God, through His Spirit, is, is doing stuff, and He's freeing people up, and he's, and he's speaking specifically about the things that Todd was talking about, people that are feeling isolated, People that are feeling like they're, they're, they're drowning and they're just, they're just being pulled under. Um, I just I want to encourage you to really go for it this morning. Let me, let me pray for the time we're going to spend in the Word this morning. God, um, we do believe in you. and We believe that you work today. Uh, we believe that you are here with us. And we pray that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear whatever it is that you have for us. That we would receive your Word this morning as your Word. Um, that it would come with authority that it would speak directly into our lives where we are, God, uh, that it would be clear, that there would be clarity in the, the things that we're going through or the things that we're feeling. God, I pray that you would meet us this morning in that place and move us, move us beyond that. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, as I, as I, uh, as I think and prepare for the message, a lot of times what I do is um, look at what's going on with the body as a whole, the whole church. What is, you know, what, what's the focus of the church? And so you look at the church calendar and see what kind of things are going on. And uh, as I was looking, there's not much going on in the Christian church uh, because we, we distance ourselves so much from New Year's, right? Because tomorrow's New Year's Eve. So the message is repent. All right, this is a preemptive message. Look at Blair. <laughs> this is a pre... Blair's like, seriously? Really? This is where you're going? The message for this morning is repent, okay? Because tomorrow's New Year's. No, okay, not really. But we'll get there. We'll get there. So, so I was looking at the calendar, and there's not much. The Christian church, typically, you know, they don't, there's no holiday associated with New Year's within the church because they want to distance themselves. Historically, all the way back to Augustine, they've always kind of distanced themselves from New Year's. But that's not true of our, of our deeper heritage in, in our Jewish roots. Um, within the Jewish tradition, they actually would celebrate New Year's. Now, but don't go and say Happy New Year's, you know, Happy Jewish New Year's to your Jewish friends because it's a different day, all right? It's in September or October, somewhere in there. It's not January, so, you know, just so you know. But what's cool is when you look at the, the Jewish New Year, you, you learn things about God. And there are things that God has historically always done in terms of days of remembrance, our holidays, are typically ordained by God for particular things. That's why they're important. That's why we, we take these days to get together and to reflect on something specific together as a body. And one of the things was the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. Did I say that right? It sounds good, right? Well, hold on, because there's another word I can't say. So Rosh Hashanah, I said it again, um, is, is the Jewish New Year, and it's a time that God would say, I want you to, to, to focus on a couple things. I want, he ordained this time for a specific focus. And what he would have them do is uh, they would sound the shofar. I think that's right. Shofar. We have a picture of a shofar. It's a uh, ram's horn. And they would they, they sound it a hundred times, a hundred times during the, the, the services of Rosh Hashanah. And, and what they're doing is they're, they're coronating their king. 
They're blowing the trumpet and, and reminding everyone of the greatness of God, that he is the king, that he's the ruler of rulers, that he's over everything. So they blow the trumpet. But more than that, it's also a call to repentance. It's a time to reflect on, on who God is and who, who I am, how great he is and the things that he's done, and, and what does that mean for me? Repentance. And it begins 10 days of, uh, depends on where you look, they might call it 10 days of awe, just awe of who God is, or 10 days of repentance. And it culminates in Yom Kippur, not Yom Kippur, which I said in the first service and was corrected several times. Um, so, and that's the Day of Atonement. That after those 10 days, there is a day to remember the atonement that God brings and to receive the atonement that God brings. And I think that there's all kinds of Christ imagery in that. There's all kinds of, of Christ in that holiday that, that God has put together, that God has um, put together and called for. One of, the, one of the cool things that they do also, besides blowing the horn, is that they say a special prayer near a body of water, like a, like a river or the ocean, and uh, they, they cast out, they'll cast something out into the water, typically like bread. And it, it's to, bring re- to remind them of the scripture in Micah where it says, and you shall cast their sins into the depths of the sea. The God will cast their sins into the depths of the sea. Just a, a great image of the Christ that's to come. They eat, they eat uh, fruits and honey cake, like an apple. Uh, I guess one of the things is, is the apple dipped in honey to remind them of the sweetness of God and the sweetness that he's going to pour out on them in the next year. And they bless each other with a blessing of, may God pour himself into you this next year. I can't even say what they really say, but (laughs) I've got it, but I'm not going to try. But, you know, as I was looking at at that, I really felt like that that was the message for us this morning, that that this idea of repentance, of a time that that we specifically focus on repenting, I wasn't really thinking about New Year's, other than New Year's is typically when people do start to think about, I'm going to work out this year, or I'm going to, whatever, I'm going to stop beating my wife, you know, whatever they decide that they're going to do. A couple women looked at their husband when I said that. Okay, whatever the thing is that we're not going to do, or we are going to start doing, but it's this idea of being, of repenting, of being called to repent. Um, And it's central to the message of Jesus. It's amazing because we don't really like the word, but it's central to the message of Jesus. If you go and you look, Matthew describes it like this. He says, from that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mark, the way that he said it, um, that Jesus would go and he would say, the time has come. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So it it was central to the message of Jesus, this idea of repenting. John the Baptist started it. We see him as the extreme call to repentance. Jesus explained it in a whole new way, and the apostles continue it. We continue it to this very day, this message of repentance. But what is the message of repentance? What does it mean to repent? One uh, theologian, N.T. Wright, was talking about how repentance is something that the church has to relearn. It's become skewed. It's become not what it originally was. It doesn't fit anymore into the message of Jesus. It's been changed and misunderstood so, so that it's no longer congruent or in, in line with the message of Jesus. What do we think of when we think of repent? 
What images come to our mind when you hear the word repent? Well, a little quick Google search for repent, and here are some of the images that come up. It's real effective there. Final warning. Like he decided that was it. This is the last one. Avoid hell. Anybody wants a t-shirt? That really is a t-shirt you can buy. I wouldn't encourage you to wear it to River City. But Notice Sports Nuts is at the top of the list. Gator fans, repent. Now, this guy has a much more exhaustive list for us. You don't have to read them all. (laughs) Rich people, they made the list. Ooh, that one's just painful. Jesus is angry with the wicked? Like, seriously? That's what you're going to go with? Or else. He didn't even need to say what else was. Just the flames say it all. We're actually, we're trying to buy that bus for River City to help. God kills. Man, I had, I had to cut out. There were so many images. I, I mean, some of them I just I couldn't even bring myself to bring to church. Real happy looking guy there. I don't know. God loves you. Repent! <laughs> Little words. God loves you. Repent. You know, these are the images, I think, that... <laughs> I don't know what that one was, but it was there. Um... You know, the image, maybe the alien doesn't come to mind, but certainly the, the other images come to mind. If you've ever been to, oh, I don't know, a rock concert, okay, you've been assaulted with repent signs, or even at the Gator Games. I mean, seriously, at the Gator Games, I wanted to just engage somebody and ask them, like, really? Like, that's God's calling, you know? Is, you're going to be at the Gator Games with this sign? But anyways, um, th- this is what comes to mind. I remember when, when I was a kid, uh, do you remember when the Jackson 5, oh, okay, I'm old. Jackson 5 came to Jacksonville. You remember that? <laughs> Whatever, Danny. Okay. The Jackson 5 came, and I was a little kid, and, uh, and I got tickets to the Jackson 5 to go see him at the, the Gator Dome and, uh, and the Gator Bowl. And so when I get there, there's people out there with signs, you know, all these repent signs. And I'm not a Christian, never gone to church, and all I saw were crazy mad people. That's it. I didn't know what the word meant. I didn't know, I didn't know anything, but it, it didn't really affect me. But when I was going through and I was looking at the pictures and stuff, I actually, I, I, I guess I had just forgotten that memory, but that memory came back to me. I remember being a little kid and just being confused by, like, why I'm going to see Thriller. He's going to wear the glove. Why repent? I don't. So uh, repent, the, the, the term repent, everything about repentance, I think, has really uh, been skewed. And, and to be fair, I mean, these guys are extreme. The pictures that, that I'm showing you are extreme. Now, granted, if you search for repent, this really is the first page on Google what you're going to see. Um, but these are extreme. Hopefully, these are extreme. Um, but when you look at the Scripture, and how does, how does Scripture talk about uh, the, 
getting across the message of trying to get people in? How did they line up the message of Jesus with this idea of repentance? I like Peter. He says, but in your heart, set apart Christ as Lord and always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. What a, what a great verse to illustrate the humility of evangelism, of reaching people with the good news. I mean, do you think anybody was going up to these guys and going, oh, tell me about the hope that you have. <laughs> tell me about this Jesus you speak of. You know, seriously, is there hope there or is there just condemnation? Is, is, is there anything, anything to, to make you want to go and ask them, you know, about the hope that they have, about the good news of Jesus? There, there, there isn't in that message, the ministry of condemnation. And one of the guys that I was writing about, I was reading about, um, he admitted that he's like, you know, I've done it. You know, I've gone out there with a ministry of trying to scare people into Jesus, trying to scare them with hell. And it's just, it's not effective. Many of us have been scarred by it. Many of us have been a part of a ministry where we got burned with, with exactly this, this type of approach. And that's what he talked about in the book. And we, re, we need to re-understand this concept of repentance. Okay, um, repentance. If we were to define it, I think there's, there's really, it, it affects the whole person. There's, there's an element of it that's understanding with our mind. Understanding something that we've done is wrong. Knowing, okay, I now understand this thing that I used to do is wrong. Tom said I have to stop beating my wife. I don't know why that comes up, but that, that, you can't do it anymore. I know it now. Okay, didn't know that before, but it's good to know. But then there's also an emotional response. There's an emotional part of it, which is sorrow, where our soul says, you know, it just, it feels wrong. There's an emotional response to repentance. And then there's an act of will. There is an action that results. I know something with my mind. I experience it in my soul, and then I, and I take an action. This is the idea of repentance. And it starts in the heart or in the mind, and it results in a changed life. Repentance is the beginning of transformation. And so you go, well, does that really fit in with the message of Jesus? Does that really fit in with all the teachings? You know, last week I talked about um, how, how we should engage culture, how we should be Emmanuel, God, with people, that we should be the ones developing relationships and friendships, and that we, not, we shouldn't be the ones throwing rocks at their houses, the things that they live in, the, the culture that they live in, the things that that they might be surrounded by, but instead that we would reach out and develop these relationships. Well, how does that fit in with the idea of repent? Well, if you look at the teachings of Jesus, I think there's an understanding of repentance that, that, that comes to the call of Jesus. For example, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is a call to repentance. But it's not that call. It's come, come to me. Turn from those things that are weighing you down. Turn from those things that are hurting you. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. You see, that, that is a call to repentance. It's saying turn from that thing. It's not fulfilling you. It's not doing whatever you want it to do. Instead, come to me. He illustrates it other ways where he says, The good news is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is awesome, and it's available to you in a way that it's never been available before. Here it is. The kingdom of God is awesome. So repent. Turn from that other stuff. 
It's like a treasure buried in, 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 a, in a ground somewhere, and you're going to go sell everything that you have to go get that land, to get that treasure. It's that valuable that you would repent of everything, that you would turn away from anything to go get that treasure. In another place, he talks about it like it's a great, it's a pearl of great cost. It's so valuable that you want it and you're willing to turn from anything else. That's the way that Jesus did it. He didn't focus over here. He didn't say, oh, yeah, you need to turn from this, you need to turn from this, you need to turn from this. He didn't focus on that. He focused on what we're turning to. We're turning to a life in the kingdom. We're turning to a life ordained by God, called by God, with good works planned out for us. We turn to that. We don't focus on this. If I tell you over and over again, don't think about an elephant riding a tricycle. You're thinking about an elephant riding a tricycle. Many times in the church, that's what we do, is we're so focused on on these things that we actually help people to focus on those. Rather than focusing, the idea of repentance is turn. The good news is that God has come and he's freed you up and he's called you to a life that's more than you could have ever imagined. That's the good news. Repentance is part of that. John Piper, he says it's two sides of the same coin. It's two sides of the same coin. It's the same process. When Jesus is calling people to receive the good news, it's also to turn, to receive the good news. It's the same action. It's not that you receive the good news and then repent. It's not that you trust Jesus and then repent. It's the same action. When you trust in Jesus, you are repenting. You are turning and saying, I'm going to trust Jesus with this area of my life. What have I done? I've turned from that area of my life, and I'm I'm, I'm turned to Jesus. That's the biblical concept of repentance. That's the the way that Jesus approached it. That's the good news. That's the good news of Jesus. You think about all all of the, the, the message of Jesus. If it was simplified, all the gospel writers simplified it to be the good news of Jesus is the kingdom of God is near. Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. That, the message that we're seeing there, is not, there's no good news about it. There's nothing that resonates good about the message of Jesus. You think about Jesus as, you know what? You guys, if you do, like I'm saying, they're going to know you're Christians because you're going to love them. They're going to know you. Your distinctive quality is going to be your love for them. That's what Jesus said. Those guys didn't look too loving. The message, sin has lost its power. Death has lost its sting. What an awesome song. Great scripture. Sin has lost its power. Death has lost its sting. But these guys, they seem to think that sin still has power. That death still has some, something to hang over people's head. Rather than the message of, no, it's over. There is no more condemnation in Christ. Believe the good news that the kingdom of God is available to you. Where you are. There's nothing that you need to do. You don't need to get your life all straightened out. You don't need to follow my 12-step program. The kingdom of God is available to you today. Turn and believe that. It's powerful. That's a powerful message that will change people's lives. It will make them ask the question, tell me about this hope that you have. You seem hopeful. You seem hopeful about your life. You seem hopeful about what God might do through you. You seem hopeful about about the Bible, about the message of Jesus. Tell me about that. That's evangelism. That's that's being a light. That's being salt in the world. 
powerful. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. He says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Godly sorrow. Sorrow that God has redeemed, that God has used, brings repentance. Repentance that leads to salvation. And this salvation, it's not all about hell. These guys love their flames and love their hell stuff. But Jesus didn't talk that much about hell. Jesus talked a lot more about life today. That the kingdom of God is available now. That you can experience something today. We hear testimonies, awesome testimonies every Sunday of not what God's going to do. Oh, God told me that when I die, I'm going to get a great house. We hear about, no, God showed up in this area. Last year, I was here, and on Christmas, I said, God, this is what I want. And God, a year later, I looked back, and I saw that God did it. Now, in my life, that's powerful. The salvation, it, it's, it literally means to deliver. It literally means to deliver. Well, what deliverance from? From sin, from Satan, from captivity, from death. There's so much more. Salvation encompasses so much more. To be delivered from more than all of these different things. If you, the prophecy of Jesus coming spoke of that Jesus was going to bring freedom for the oppressed. Sight for the blind. Redemption for the unvalued. Restoration for the broken. Transformation for everyone. Transformation for everyone that would believe. These are the promises of Scripture. This is what we have before us that we turn from everything else to be able to get. It's the pearl of great price. Rather than focusing on these things, that's what we want to focus on. I want to receive that. I want to have that type of life. I want God to redeem the things in my life, things that the enemy would like to use to bring me down. I want God to restore and establish Repentance is not the result of guilt. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. And it leaves no regret. No regret. We've all felt guilt with a lot of regret. That's not, that's not what Paul is talking about. The type of, of process that he's talking about will leave no regret. Why? Because you will reach the point when you receive this type of conviction... You, you are convicted by the, the grace of God. And you, you're like, wow, God loves me so much. I can't believe that God is willing to put this thing behind me. That's, that's the difference between conviction and guilt. Conviction is the knowledge of, of truth. The Holy Spirit, one of the things that we know the Holy Spirit does is he will convict us. And that means he will lead us into truth. He will establish within us things that are true. But you know what's true? There's no more condemnation. That we've been delivered from these things. And so many times, if you've ever experienced the conviction of the Holy Spirit, it typically happens like, wow, oh man, that thing's really bad that I, that I did or that I do. But God loves me in spite of it. And I'm empowered to be delivered from it. That's the type of conviction that Paul is talking about here. It leads to salvation, leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. That's guilt. That's shame. Some people, they feel like they're drowning in it. 
They feel like they're drowning in a sea of guilt. And, and when you think about it, it really hit me as I was listening to the testimonies and everything. I think it has a lot to do with isolation. Is that the enemy isolates you and makes you feel like you've done something bad and you were now all on your own. Whereas Jesus steps right into the midst of it and says, yeah, you know, there's some bad stuff, but, but here's what I have to offer. The kingdom of God. No condemnation. I will be with you. No matter what happens, I will be with you. There's nothing that can separate you from the love that I've brought because of the cross, because I have paid it all. I didn't pay all but a little bit. I paid it all. This is the message of Jesus. The difference between guilt and conviction. And, you know, I was reminded of Judas. Judas felt really bad. He felt bad. He went and gave the money back. You know, he felt remorse, but he didn't repent. He didn't repent in the way that we're talking about. Godly sorrow leads to repentance that leads to salvation. Judas hung himself, killed himself. He couldn't live with the guilt. He couldn't live with the worldly sorrow. It led to death for him. Peter wasn't much better. I mean, Peter, after promising, oh, I'm not going to deny you, he went and he did it. He did it three times. But Peter repented. And he went back to Christ and said, you know, I, I want to change. I want to receive what you have. And Jesus restored him. He received that life that we're talking about. That's what we all want, right? That's godly repentance. So what I want to do right now is just take a time. Let's just stand up and pray. And what we want to do is we want to ask God. We, we want to, to have him lead us into truth. We want conviction that comes from him that will lead us to repentance, that we can repent this morning, that we can repent as we consider 2008. So let's just invite him to come and have his way. God, we, we humbly come before you this morning just, just so overwhelmed that you have delivered us, that you have called us by name, that you have established us, that, that there's nothing that will tear us down or break us away from you. Lord, we thank you that you have found us in the midst of our own muck and pray that you would help us to focus on you. Holy Spirit, we pray that this morning that you would speak conviction into our lives. God, that we would understand the truth of how much you love us, of how much sin hurts you, sin draws away from our relationship with you, that we would understand it and that we would receive freedom from it. God, that we would be free of guilt, that we would be free of shame. Holy Spirit, speak to us this morning. echo the words of Paul. We pray that we have not been made perfect yet, but we press on to take hold of that which you have called us for, which you have taken hold of us. We forget what is behind and we strain toward what is ahead, pressing on toward the goal to win the prize for which you have called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. Meet us this morning.
Help us to repent, God. Bring us the salvation that you have promised us. Salvation in this life. Salvation in all areas of our life this morning, God. Let's just take the um, first three rows of chairs away.